Depression and anxiety are more often associated with pancreatic cancer than any other GI malignancy. When should you suspect pancreatic cancer in your anxiety patients? Welcome to Focus on Cancer. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Lunt, and with me today is Dr. Benjamin Griffith. Dr. Griffith is assistant professor at the University of Virginia and the Edward V.S. School of Osteopathic Medicine. He is also associate director of the psychiatry residency program at the Salem, Virginia VA Medical Center. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr. Griffith. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Dr. Griffith, how common is anxiety as a presenting complaint in the ultimate diagnosis of pancreatic cancer? Well, that's an interesting question. One of the difficulties, of course, everybody who works with pancreatic cancer is aware of is the fact that it being an occult malignancy of the GI tract and being an intra-abdominal cancer means that it's very difficult to pick up until it is well advanced. And as such, the survival rates are unfortunately abysmally low, somewhere in the neighborhood of 3 to 5% five-year survival rate. The interesting thing, though, is, is that as opposed to all of the other GI malignancies, pancreatic cancer seems to have mental health symptoms as a significant predecessor. There have been several studies, probably the largest of which being the study of psychopathology and pancreatic cancer done by Alan Green and Christopher Austin out of Massachusetts General, where they looked at the appearance of depression and anxiety in folks with pancreatic cancer and noticed that upwards of 50 to 75% of patients, depending on which study you were looking at, had some form of mental health either symptoms or a true mental health diagnosis. One of the studies that they quoted showed a 71% depression-related disorders and around 52% with anxiety-related complaints. A majority of these actually started showing symptoms prior to the diagnosis of their pancreatic cancer, which tends to rule out the issue of folks developing depression or anxiety as a result of the cancer diagnosis itself, since it happened prior to that. Yeah, it seems like pancreatic cancer now is on a lot of people's minds with Steve Jobs and now Justice Bader Ginsburg having it, that Wall Street's interested in this topic, as is the general media. So interesting how that's all changed. Now, is it more common in women or men? Well, the interesting thing is it tends to be more common in men than in women, which is unusual once you look at the relative prevalence rates of mental illness, especially depression and anxiety in general, because those rates in the general population tend to favor women more so than men. The rate of depression, in fact, most uh, statistics quote somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 women for every 10 men are diagnosed with depression, whereas the numbers seem to be reversed when it comes to depression and anxiety in patients with pancreatic cancer. So that may be one tip-off that something's awry if you see a male present this way. Exactly. I think that the other strong issue and the primary reason for the article that Dr. Mira and I wrote in this case is also the relatively atypical presentation based on age. Pancreatic cancer has a typical age of diagnosis somewhere in the late 50s to early 60s, and most have been diagnosed well prior to the 65-year to 70-year age range where we start seeing the earliest onsets of late-life depression. And so as such, that's also one of those interesting things that tells you you're looking at something out of the ordinary. Panic disorder, which was the primary issue that we saw in the patient that we wrote about, panic disorder has a typical 
first age of diagnosis in the late teens through the 20s with probably the latest of a typical presentation of panic being somewhere in the very early 30s. Likewise, if you're looking at depression and pancreatic cancer, if you have a patient without significant psychosocial stressors as triggers, somebody who has what we used to call an endogenous depression or a depression that doesn't have a substantial external trigger, to see somebody with an endogenous depression that develops much after the age of 30 or 35 is also relatively unusual. And so that also tends to be one of the tip-offs that the mental illness or at least the mental health symptoms that you are seeing might be the tip of the iceberg for some other substantial medical illness. What is the proposed mechanism of the anxiety? Again, referring back to the citation I mentioned earlier written by Dr. Alan Green and Christopher Austin, they proposed a couple of different mechanisms that they thought held some weight. And of course, these are all proposals because the relative rate of pancreatic cancer is relatively low. And even beyond that, being able to do any substantial studies in this patient population is exceedingly rare. So the proposed thoughts that they had were twofold. One was that there are neuroendocrine markers that are either being released by the tumor or due to the fact of the tumor cells originating in the pancreas. They proposed certainly when you look at the fact that most often the pancreatic cancers arise from the ductal cells and not from the islet cells, that they can certainly produce subclinical hormone levels. They can certainly release neurohormones such as serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, all of which have been implicated in panic and have been implicated in depression. And then, of course, you can also start throwing in those substances that we have only started studying in the last 10 to 15 years, all the interleukins, all the tumor necrosis factors that all may be released endogenously that we're only just now starting to see the tip of the iceberg of what these factors may be able to do systemically. So that was the first proposal they had. The other proposal was whether, aside from the neurohormonal releases, was whether this may have something to do with bicarbonate release. The pancreas is responsible for a substantial amount of secretion of bicarbonate from the body. And if it is not able to do that due to, say, a cancer which is interrupting the ducting pathway, does that backup of bicarbonate then leach over into the blood system and therefore elevate the bicarbonate rates? We've been able to produce in several studies in mental health recurrent panic attacks and worsening of anxiety and depression just with the intravenous introduction of bicarbonate. And so the question then becomes, is that our potential driving force. Of course, the difficulty there is, is our patient doesn't follow that theoretical proposal. Our patient's cancer developed in the tail of his pancreas. He certainly had no GI manifestations of pancreatic cancer. His diagnosis was just a happenstance diagnosis that we happened to run into in the emergency room. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Focus on Cancer from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Benjamin Griffith. We are discussing anxiety as the harbinger of pancreatic cancer. So, Dr. Griffith, tell us more about the case that you did publish. 
Well, our case was an interesting gentleman who presented to the psychiatric emergency room at the VA hospital where I work in Salem, Virginia. And he presented a lot of the factors that, in retrospect, everybody would say, oh, yes, of course, that makes sense when you start thinking about pancreatic cancer. But when you see the patient in that naturalistic environment, it's rather difficult to look and say, this must be a cancer diagnosis. He was a middle-aged gentleman. He had presented to his primary care physician at our facility approximately two or three weeks prior, complaining of difficulties with insomnia, being anxious, and some anorexia. The anorexia was rather unusual because prior to presenting, he had eaten well, but over the ensuing two to three months, had lost approximately 20 pounds. So that was the first thing that certainly jumped out to me as saying this isn't a typical anxiety because though mild anorexia is not unusual in panic, to see that level is certainly unusual. Then the other things that triggered our interest were the fact of his age. The patient being 58 is a very unusual age for the first onset of panic. Though this patient had had a previous history of some alcohol dependence, he had been sober for a prolonged period of time, which we felt reduced the chances that this was a substance-related or a substance withdrawal issue. The fact that his predominant symptom of panic, aside from shortness of breath and some chest tightness, was an overwhelming sense of doom also was rather unusual because often the primary symptom that a patient presents are the physical symptoms, being short of breath, being nauseated, have perioral numbness and tingling are more typical symptoms that people present with. And he was the one presenting who said, you know, I get anxious, I get worried, I get short of breath, and I feel like something bad's going to happen, though I don't know what. So those were the things that said that something was unusual. Having seen his primary care physician three weeks earlier, his primary care physician had ordered an abdominal CT without contrast just to see if there was something unusual going on with this gentleman but had put no substantial urgency. And in fact, the patient only presented to my emergency room because he had come in to get his CAT scan and thought, you know, while I'm here, let me go ahead and see the psychiatrist since that's an availability at my VA hospital. And so in seeing us and hearing this unusual presentation, I checked the CT exam and then confirmed it with our radiologist as pancreatic cancer of the tail of the pancreas, which was severely developed at his stage. By the time I saw the CAT scan, he already had uh, liver metastases, and there was some question as to whether there was some invasion of the hilum of the spleen as well. So the patient was admitted for further discussion of treatment, further workup. The patient was seen by the oncologist the following day and was delivered the information that, uh, considering his presentation, he had very little chance of survival, and our patient opted to receive palliative care and actually died approximately four to six weeks later. Oh, wow. So very fast course. Very quick. Now, in the typical patient with psychiatric symptoms due to pancreatic cancer, do the psych symptoms resolve when the cancer is treated? That's a good question. There have certainly been a few case reports that seem to indicate that. Obviously, one of the difficulties when you are talking about pancreatic cancers is the relatively low remission rate from those cancers. But the few case studies that have been published seem to indicate that those who have mental health symptoms 
corresponding to the pancreatic cancer. When their cancer comes into remission, their mental health symptoms tend to disappear with them. That's certainly good news for those patients is that we can certainly look at having some benefit for them that in getting aggressive oncologic treatment, we can resolve their psychiatric symptoms as well. In retrospect and from what you've gleaned from the literature, what symptom complex would make you suspicious of pancreatic carcinoma? I mean, we see patients that are depressed and anxious all day long. When should I start thinking about cancer? Good question. That's a very difficult call to make because the relative rates of major depressive disorder and panic disorder are substantially higher still than all cancers combined, depending on the age group that you're looking at. The symptoms that made us curious, and in general the symptoms that most of the literature says are the ones that you should be looking for, are the atypical things. Uh, Looking for a patient who has no family history of depression, has no personal history of depression, and has no significant psychosocial stressors or losses, yet presents somewhere in their late 40s to early 60s with a new onset of depression a patient that presents similarly with a history of new-onset panic disorder in their 40s or 50s who has no history of current substance abuse or has a long enough period of sobriety that your concern for substance withdrawal is relatively limited. And also, again, just that broader gestalt of looking at a patient and the ability to say, does this make sense or, you know, do I have that you know, itching in the back of my mind that something else may be going on? It's difficult still, even with these patients, to know what else might be happening. The problem, obviously, is, is that pancreatic cancer is not the only medical cause for depression or panic. And so the differential is very broad, and the workup, obviously, is very broad. And so you have to take each of these patients with a grain of common sense about on whom am I going to spend a great deal of money working up and who just seems to need some additional follow-up in the future to make sure that their depression doesn't broaden or their physical symptoms don't worsen. Well, this has been extraordinarily enlightening for me. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. We've been speaking with Dr. Benjamin Griffith about the relationship between anxiety, depression, and pancreatic carcinoma. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to Focus on Cancer on ReachMD Radio at XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.